That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. First episode of 2020. We are finally joining the future. Uh, if I'm honest, I was quite happy to save the first episode of 2020 for today's guest. Uh, so let's get to the roundtable. We've got Bat Force Tom in California. What's up, dudes? Making his triumphant return to the show is the Trunkler in Chicago. One for one in 2020, boy. Mm. Trunkler 2020. Boy. We've got the Bat Force Times in New York, and I'm Robin Cross in Canada. So today's guest is a multi-Eisner Award-winning artist known for work like Scott Snyder's American Vampire, his runs on Streets of Gotham and Detective Comics with Paul Dini, which include The Mighty Heart of Hush, uh, the Descender series with Jeff Lemire, followed by the currently running series Ascender, and now following his Batman series Little Gotham with Derek Fiddles. Batman Tales, Once Upon a Crime, will be in stores February 5th. Welcome to the show, somehow for the first time ever, Mr. Dustin Ooh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Guys, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this, Dust. How has life been? Uh, it's been busy, man. Just, yeah, it's just, you know, it's like, you know, you work at home and as a, I think most freelancers guys like, oh, it's great. But, you know, half the time you don't know when the day starts and when you're you know, day ends and it just kind of, I don't know what day of the week. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it just keeps going. It's like one continuous mm. day. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when do I get out of pajamas? <laughs> yeah. You know, and because we live, well, I live in California. So it's like the weather's always the same. So mm. you don't really know what season it is sometimes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, I'm not even nearly as busy as you are. And I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's, I, it's, uh, you know, it's like I sound busy, but really it's just it's just poor time management, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. Like, you know, because I, you know, you know, guys like Sean Murphy, he he works like maybe, you know, he's like, I work only weekdays. I don't work weekends. And, you know, that guy gets so much done. And like mm -hmm. I've seen his workspace. It's like it's a ser it's seriously just a box, like a small room and pure concentration. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is what I need. But then, you know, I tried doing that. It doesn't work. I'm just <laughs> place and 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 he does it so effectively too he, the the dude never misses a deadline and like has a rule against does, yeah. missing deadlines yeah yeah and that's for someone who's yeah. and for someone who's writing and drawing so much of his own work that's outstanding yeah i mean you know it's the writing and the drawings kind of you know kind of slims it down on both so no i'm just kidding it's, <laughs> it's great. yeah no, that guy has crazy work discipline and i envy it a lot every time i see his stuff i'm like damn i gotta draw more and you know it's just it's the way he handles his time it's just great you know he's got time to work out and hang out and you know it's great I, and, I and order do. swords online <laughs> yeah <laughs> and grow a beard yeah <laughs> 
Where did I, I was dis- I was disappointed that he chopped his hair off. He was really looking like he was in an indie rock band for a while. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, last I thought it was uh, it was quite a bit shorter. Hmm. Oh, okay. I haven't seen him in a while. Like, uh, yeah, the guy looks like the sheriff from Walking Dead. I always tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you post about that once. You got, it was a picture of the two of you, and you said something about oh, yeah. this being this being the season when he was still the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, man. It's always either he's the sheriff, and I'm uh, yeah. I'm uh, Glenn, or yeah. he's Indy. <laughs> I'm short round. I'm like, dude, that's never like, I never get him like, like oh, dude. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I think it's clear that Sean's the leading man. <laughs> that's the way it is every time he's on our show, too. Happens, dude. He, he just takes over and you know, we end up talking about Rob Liefeld for an hour. Yeah, and then the deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. has he been on, he's been on the show a few times or no? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're his, uh, we're his exclusive place for talking about uh, white knight stuff. I can smack. Aside, aside from yeah. his own, aside from his own yeah. podcast, <laughs> but which is kind of genius. Let's uh, let's talk about this Dustin Nguyen guy. Uh, mm. The first thing I wanted to ask, because we haven't had you on the show before, could you take us through uh, what began your journey in art? Like, what what was that thing that made you think, oh, this th- this is what I want to do. I, I want to be an artist. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just like, I think like most people, you just kind of start drawing at a young age. Um, I've always drawn comics. Like I, I, but the first time I saw, like, I mean, I've always drawn, but the first time I actually like saw like comics was like um, during the, you know, the early image days, you know, when, uh, you know, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, when they put out like Young Blood and Wildcats, and you're like, well, this is cool. But like before that, I knew comics, but I, w- I only read the indie stuff. I only read like, you know, the, uh, the Black and White Ninja Turtles. I read some Batman. But it was just like, you know, I think this, I stopped reading Batman around the time when um, Jason Todd uh, got killed off. And um, I think that was like, that's as far back and early as I can remember actually following Batman. Then after that, it was just like picking up a few issues here that had a cool cover and that's, but I never really read it continuously. But the one books I always read was, you know, the the Eastman and Lard's um, Mirage Studio stuff, that and like um, Blade and Moro stuff. Um, but yeah. It's um, I would say, yeah, probably the image days when you know Jim and them made it exciting, you know, like yeah, those killer instinct tours and stuff like that. So is that what got you drawing, or had you already been drawing before that? I've already been drawing, but that's what got got me drawing like characters and uh, comics. But I mean, it was always for fun. But it wasn't until like I think ninety um, I want to say ninety seven, ninety six, ninety. I think it's ninety seven. I was at um, UC Irvine with my uh, my girlfriend, or my wife now, but she was going to college there, and I was just hanging out, and then I saw a, uh, it was like those little Comic-Con books, they, they were like, you know, they said there was a Comic-Con in San Diego, and I saw it, and I took it home, I was like, whoa, this is cool, so I was going through, it was like a little program guide, and had like an Alex Ross cover on it, I still have it, it was like, I was like, oh man, this is cool, I'm gonna go and check it out, you know, and uh, I, I read through there, there was like portfolio reviews, so like, um, yeah, I just started working on my portfolio, but I didn't know what the hell how comics were made even so but i just drew you know what i thought it looked like so i drew like um god i forgot what samples they were they were um weapon zero samples um do you remember that book from top cow with joe benitez yes it was called yeah it was called weapon zero so i did those samples and i brought it and i got there and i met like some uh you know some people were back then portfolio review was kind of like where uh the small press is now to the right side and the way they have it is you get in line and they have a bunch of booths 
and you just get an interview with whoever's open. So it wasn't really like you brought it to DC, you brought it to Marvel. We just it's just called portfolio review. And uh, yeah, I was standing in line, just met a bunch of other people, and I met some uh, some of my friends now, and they're you know they were showing me how to. They're like, "Yeah, dude, you gotta you know draw like this." And then someone inks it. I was like, "I know what ink is," you know. Like, so we just kept in touch, and they showed me how to put together a book. You know, um, the guy that showed me how to draw pages on eleven by seventeen and inking and all that is actually the guy that runs the print shop now that does all my um, prints and sketchbooks and everything. He's he started his own print company, and he handles like the entire. I would say most of the West Coast artists over here, so which is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Dang, but yeah, it's uh, it's called SGX. There, there's a plug. <laughs> nice. But, uh, but um, they uh, yeah, he showed me. He's like, yeah. So I started. We moved in together after that, and we started a thing called Immortal Studios. And I was like, that's a dumb name, dude. And he's like, I know. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like coming in, I was like, dude, what are you? What are we like a rock metal band or something? You know, it's so sounds stupid, like you know? it. Yeah. So, but it was cool. Um, <laughs> So we got a gig doing, um, well, one of the guys, he knew, knew a guy, another guy that they were working on a comic book, like a 10-page comic book for the back of a, like a, some video game. I don't remember, but they're like, dude, you're really good with Photoshop. You want a colorist? I was like, yeah, I'll be a colorist, you know? So I came in as the colorist. So we that was like the first time we got like um, pro badges for the year. That was like 98 or something. Nice. And um, yeah, so from then, you know, just we just try to do different things to keep getting the pro badge and uh yeah so that was it just do samples every year and um at the time i was working as a 3d designer for um an aerospace company out here uh called sphere drip uh mm-hmm. they were like they're like kind of like aerospace kind of like uh uh retail kind of dude they just did a lot of stuff for like northrop grumman and stuff and um and they got bought over by Jacobs Engineering, but it was like an engineering firm. So I did 3D stuff for them, but I did a contract where I would work like, I don't know, like eight months out of the year or something. And then I'd save up and then I, um, you know, you'd save up all that money to pay for hotels and flights out to, there was only two cons at the time. There was Chicago and San Diego, two big ones. And um, yeah, just doing, I'd, I'd work all year, save up for the summer and just uh, do samples for those two shows. And those shows were probably like, like month or two apart so when the editor saw you they're like cool i'll see you next month you have new samples i was like i will and you know Mm -hmm. so you go home kind of just jam on more samples and it was really hard back then like because i wasn't really at the speed i was now and not comfortable and you know i mean you can barely draw you know but you're like dang i gotta do five pages in a month which sounds crazy like a crazy amount of work and uh you know now it doesn't but back then it was like a lot of work um but yeah just eventually got to um do a bunch of samples then got to a point where i was always hanging on the dc booth showing editors my stuff um to a point where they were like hey go show it to that guy i was like oh, i already showed it to that guy you know mm-hmm. and it was a uh, wildstorm that time wildstorm had just started working under dc or something like that uh something like that yeah so uh john layman who uh was the editor back then he picked up my stuff and he called me at home and uh back then we still had answering machines and mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually left a message on the studio answering machine, you know? So like, yeah, this is John Lehman from, uh, you know, Ballstorm. Just want to give you a call and you can come in. You know, I was like, oh, shit. And I left that message on there for a while so I could play it back to the guys and rub their face. <laughs> like six dudes in the, um, six, six people living in a two-bedroom apartment in Long Beach. And I took one room and Edwin, the guy that, uh, that Prince took the other room. 
at that time he was working on samples too. He was like a huge Wills Fotoshio fan because um, I think it's Wills was Filipino and so is he. You know, <laughs> I was like, Edwin, that's racist. <laughs> like, but just, but, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, you know, in a good should've way. Guessed, should have guessed with that name, Edwin. I have. I'm not kidding you. I have three friends named Edwin, all Filipino. <laughs> See, that works. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the time it was just uh, so that him and I, we both uh, lived there. Is that my phone? Hold on. Sorry. Unprofessional. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh, is that my phone or someone calling? It? I don't know. It's probably your editor. <laughs> Deadlines, uh, dude. Deadlines. It's. it's I, I think it's Dan DiDio, actually, Tom. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, Dustin, what are you doing on a podcast? You got to get some stuff done. Dan loves me. No, it's, um, I guess <laughs> my messaging, when messages come through, they vibrate my phone and beep. Can you guys hear it or no? Barely. Okay. No, so at the time I was saying it, uh, it was just me, Edwin, living there, and then we had a living room, and the living room was entirely just, we just emptied out and put nothing but drawing tables in there, a TV, and we just had Street Fighter set up 24-7. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just, it was like a big studio that, you know, when you're there, you just draw. And um, the thing is, Edwin actually runs a, um, he's a club promoter, so he actually, he MCs and he promotes clubs, and they do like, uh, you know, like import show-off, those cars, you know, basically cars and Asian people, you know, <laughs> so, <it> was, <laughs> so half the time it was filled with like people that were promoters for the party there. They were always just, you know, drinking and hanging out, eating, like leaving all the equipment with smoke machines around and everything. And the other time it was for drawing. So like, um, yeah, it was just it was just like a fun place to be creative. But then, um, you know, it seems like we would draw all the time because there was always tables there. But I would only get drawing done at night when actually everyone's asleep or everyone left the house already. Um, so Edwin and I would just sit there and we'd just draw and yeah, we worked on samples. Um, you know, eventually I, uh, I started at Wildstorm and I was in Long Beach at the time. Wildstorm was in San Diego and I would have to drive there. Um, you know, it was a two hour drive there and a two hour drive back. Um, you know, it was, it was brutal, but I started carpooling with Eric Canetti who also started, uh, Wildstorm at the time. And so we would actually like make mixtapes and. You know, we, we just, this is when mixtapes were still in. I mean, mix CDs. We're not that old. <laughs> mix CDs. And uh, yeah, we'd drive back and forth and we'd hang out. I got to know Eric real well. And I think we got sick of each other. You know, when you spend four hours a day with someone in a car, you run out <laughs> of things to say, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, Jim was like, you sure you don't want to just uh, move down here, you know? Just live in one of my houses. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> At one of his houses. He's like, yeah, just rent a room. They have like, you know, I was like, man, I'm barely making like, I think my starting rate was like, you know, I would work. I went from making like so much, dude, from, you know, in 3D design to I think like I made like a third or a fourth of what I was making just because I wanted to work in comic, you know? And I was like, you know, this can work, this can work. But it's like you get paid by the page, not by the hour, you know? Mm. And um, I, it got exhausting because, you know, you, you write, you drive in, you work, but you're exhausted from the drive. And then you pack up, you go home. And it's not like you go home from work. You go home and you draw again because that's what, comics is you know it's like having homework for the rest of your life it's forever and um yeah so i was like dude it's not working so that's when i eventually asked if um i could go freelance so they were real cool and that's when they gave me my first um contract and uh i was exclusive since god i was exclusive there from like 2001 or two or something all the way to like 2000 
13. It was like Whoa, 12, 14. Geez. It was long. Yeah, they were real cool. At uh, at one point, I I thought that because I worked in house at the studio, and I um, I thought I was freelance. So, um, I actually took off because my uh, my girlfriend moved to Ohio for school, and I was like, oh cool, I'll just drive out there too. So I drove out there, and I ended up staying in Ohio, and I was gone for like probably a week and a half until uh, my editors like saw me on you know I am, and he's like, hey, where are you? We haven't seen you in a few days. I was like, oh, I'm in Ohio. Oh shit! He's like, he's like, well, what the hell are you doing in Ohio? I was like, oh, I'm out here. I'm just you know, I'm still drawing, you know, I'm turning in pages. He's like, dude, you know you're an in-house employee, right? I'm like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I thought you were sick this whole time. I'm like, I'm, I, I draw comics. This is what we do. He's like, no, man. It's like, you're an in-house employee. You're supposed to be in here every day. And I was like, what? And so, um, so I got on the phone with him, and then I got on the phone with um, Scott Doombeer at the time. Uh, Doombeer was head of Wildstorm editorial, and he's like, he's like, do you want to stay over there? I was like, well, you know, I'm kind of broke. <laughs> it's not like I'm drawn enough. And, uh, you know, they got John Nee on the phone. John Nee was a uh, uh, president of Wildstorm at the time. Uh, and they're like, well, do you want to stay there? I was like, I was there, but I want to work. But it's like, you know, I'm not really making a lot and stuff. And so John Nee was really cool. He's like, um, so he's like, all right, dude, uh, we'll put you on um, exclusive and, you know, we'll write you a personal loan and then you can pay us back whenever, you know. I was like, well, you know, I'll pay you back, but I'd need work. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll figure out something and we'll find you work so you can pay me back. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. <laughs> you know, this this deal works out really well for me. But no, that's why I really love like the guys at Wildstorm in DC. Like even like when I was like having it rough, they were just making enough work just so I could have work for money for work, you know. And uh, yeah, they kept. And so I gladly signed uh, exclusive because they're like, well, you, you want to be exclusive. You get some health benefits and stuff. I was like, yeah, sure, you know, and uh, yeah, it was great. So I was there for, I was freelance. That's when I started working on um, Wildcats. Uh, yeah. That was that was on Wildcats. And then while I was in Ohio was when um, they asked me to jump on uh, Batman with um, Jed Winnick, who actually I'm back with for this Robin issue for the first time since like 2000-something. <laughs> so yeah, I'm back with Jed Winnick. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much, that's what kick-started the... Uh, my way into comics so i know it's a long story <laughs> that's awesome though that's crazy and, and uh that that's very cool that you're uh doing some more work with uh, with judd winnick we love him here too uh he, he was on with us just a few months back oh great yeah he's like he's so good man he's like he's so enthusiastic and he knows the characters really well like yeah. some of the stories he tells like um you know like you wouldn't really tell those stories if you weren't if you didn't know the characters well and uh yeah, exactly you know, he does that well that's what I love about it. So yeah, and and he he's done a good job of making things happen. Like in the, obviously the we got Red Hood in the comics, uh, the Under the Hood story, but uh, he was the one that had also pushed for making the animated movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. I saw the movie. Yeah, they, the movie's the one with um, they did they use Chase? They didn't use Tim Drake, right? They didn't have Tim Drake at all, right? No, no it Tim Drake. In. But it was like Jason Todd. In Tim Drake's costume, though, right? Something like that. Like everyone wears. At the beginning, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, something. Like that. I, yeah, I think at the beginning it was. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, it was great, man. So I might have missed some things in there, but that's pretty much most of how well, I, I think you missed a big one. Um, what I'm gonna so you know, like as an artist, obviously you guys have to make sure that you're like you got. You said you mentioned the sleep and. You know, there's like not much sleep. You need your energy. When was it that you discovered the beauty of In and Out? 
<laughs> the what? <laughs> the beauty van. Dude, I used to work at In and Out. Right no oh. way. Exclusive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was there for um, I was there for a good like year right after high school, and uh, they, they yeah. got real mad when you would leave and go to Ohio for a week. <laughs> <laughs> they would, dude. They would. No, they were. Um, no, it's weird. It's one of those places where, you know, once you work somewhere, you see how the, you know, how the yeah. sausage. You're like, oh, this is gr-. dude. After working there, it made me even like it more. I was like, this oh, shit yeah. really is freaking fresh. <laughs> Right. And like they um they take care of the food everything is like tip top like one of our managers got fired it was our he was a he wasn't a first manager he was like a third manager or something he got fired because they ran out of cheese and he went to the grocery store next door and got <gasps> cheese. but but here they didn't fire him because he used cheese from the grocery store they fired him because they said you should have been more prepared as a manager and I was, I was like oh man that's like uh <laughs> but no they're they're very like um they're very uh. Yeah, they got the, yeah, they're, they're very strict, but they're also kind of like I would say they're strict to the point where it's kind of creepy, you know. Like they oh, they man. only see themselves, you know. They yeah, that's kind of how I mean that's kind of how a business like that has to operate to be as I mean think about it, dude. They're not they're not publicly traded. They're still yeah. privately owned, and yeah. they're that massive. It's pretty crazy. They're they're crazy. They they run a tight ship, man. Right, and you yeah. know like. I, I love them, dude. Like, if I had a big event, I would actually cater because my cousin had a wedding, oh. and he had them, uh, catered for the wedding. Wow! And I thought it was expensive, dude. Yeah, it was like surprisingly very cheap. Like, um, I mean, not cheap, but it was like I think it was like fifteen hundred, and it serves up to like two hundred people or hundred people or something like that. And then dude. after that, you just pay like a buck or something for a wedding. Like, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, for a wedding, that's nothing, dude. <laughs> and that's uh, crazy. well, he did it as he did it as like a. Basically, we had the dinner, and then he's like, yeah, I got a surprise for you guys outside. Nice. He did, like a farm. So we came out, and we're like, oh, shoot. So they have everything but fries. Instead of fries, they serve you chips, because I don't think okay. they have fryers yeah. on the car. Probably start a fire that way. I guess, dude, but, you know, worth it. But the, the, the problem would be how many more people do come to the wedding because you're being catered by in and out Well, I think I've got uh, something going on that Oh, in and out. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be there. Dustin, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but it was one. It was a. I don't remember what year at San Diego, but we were. This was when they still had the, uh, the Marriott. Was it the the bar at the Marriott? Is not the Marriott. Or was it the Manchester Grand Hyatt? Yeah, the Hyatt. Um, yeah. Yeah, but they didn't have it last year because they remodeled it and they didn't put it in yeah. a new bar or something. But one year we were down there and then we were talking to you. We were all, you know, there we were many, many, many drinks in. And we were just like talking to you about something. And then one of us was like, oh, we're going to get some in and out. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go get some in and out. Let's go. And I can't remember who you were with, but they were like, no, dude, like we have to go. And you kept saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to go get in and out. And they were trying to talk you out of it because it <laughs> sounds like I, it. The nearest In-N-Out is not close by to the convention center. I think it was like the not, 20 minutes away. None of us had, I mean, we were, I think we were going to take like an Uber or something. But the thing was, is I think like at one point they said, you told me to tell you, you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess you had you know, wandered up. This, had, <laughs> this has to been a while back because I actually barely ever go out in it anymore at cons. Dude. So it this was, has to be a while back. It was at the it was at the hotel bar, and I remember thinking like yeah. he must have those wandered little round off. Tables, right? right, 
like something must have happened to where like you either like wandered off the night before and got lost or something or like something happened to where you told the person you were with like do not let me do that again and but you were you were like dead set on coming i was like oh, he, he had lived a hangover movie the year before you guys are on an evening like yeah let's go yeah so we're not gonna go do drugs you need some in and out i know that's pretty bad though that's even yeah. worse it's been worse yeah, San Diego's great, man. Oh, yeah. So what's there's not the... enough there. Down right in, they have an open right down the city, right in the you know, downtown yet. Oh, yeah, it's Maybe crazy. Mm. <laughs> so oh, the... can you tell us what's in the uh, animal-style sauce they use? Uh, No, it's just a regular sauce. There's more of it. <laughs> 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 That's all it is. It's just more of it. Like, um... That... Because I've been to Cali once and um, went to WonderCon with Tom and uh, this other guy. And uh, as soon as I got off the airplane from Chicago, first place we stopped at, in and out uh, Addicted ever since. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. And I think a lot of people, they hate it because it's people talk about it so much, you know, to the point yeah. where they're like, nah, you know, these are the Shake Shack people, you know. Like in and out, you know. Oh, <laughs> gun check. <laughs> I, I think, we got one of those people on here. The, the war wages on. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, Shake Shack is great. I just don't know about paying nine bucks for a burger, man. That's like, you know, it's a lot of money. It is, slider, it is expensive. But, it's yeah. a slider too, in comparison. But you know what they have that it doesn't have that I love is that um, that portobello mushroom. That shit is good. Mm. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, does for for like our new listeners or people that are new into comics that aren't familiar what your process can you tell us a little about uh, transitioning from I believe you went from like traditional illustration to like more watercolor um, work uh, can you tell us a little uh, about yeah. that yeah I mean I still do like traditional uh, depending on the look that we go for yeah. uh, for Descender and Ascender I started painting it because um you know I just wanted to and I figured since it's my own book why not mm. um also, with the uh, image, we have that flexibility in our schedule where I can actually, um, you know, I, w- I don't want to say that it's uh, that we have less, that we have a lot more freedom because, you know, to do a good book, you still have to do what you need to do. But I feel like if I work, if I was painting my own book, I can actually not have to worry about uh, painting something wrong. Like if I was to paint like a Batman book, I could mistakenly paint him in the wrong you know costume color or something and then you know there'd be so much stuff to go back and change yeah. that it's kind of intuitive just to just to do it and then um have to go back and do a lot of stuff um if we don't have that time because i know there, there are guys out there that paint you know in the mainstream books um but descender is like you know i want every issue out on time i wanted to you know look exactly how i want so it was like the easiest way to do was to do what you want but do it on your own time you know and um descender is the way to go uh, and also, I wanted a certain look. I always wanted a. Um, uh, first of all, I, I didn't grow up painting. I didn't really know how, and I learned how doing those uh, Batman covers. And uh, you know, my it was it was great because I was on Batman. I was like, can I paint these covers? And my editor, uh, Mike Mart, you know, he's like, sure. You know, he's like, you know, <laughs> he's like, sure. And uh, he's like, you know, how I paint. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, and I just tried it a few times, and I really liked it. So I kept doing it, doing it to a point where I got real comfortable. So, mm. Um, mm. yeah, I didn't really, I don't really see myself as like 
you know, like a painter painter. I kind of just, I would say I just draw and then I just kind of, it's just part of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I, th- so, I think it really establishes a, 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 a the mood for Descender, the way you depict that. I like how it, it flows with that style for oh, the book. Thank you, man. Yeah, it, I, I, um, I wanted to make it look, even though it kind of like, I wanted to make it look of a certain era. Because yeah. I grew up like reading heavy metal stuff. And a lot of the books were, you know, done back then were done really traditionally. And there's a certain like um, feeling to it. It's like very warm, even, you know, it's yeah. very warm. And I still back to those books. It just, there's a feeling to it that it gives off that it's kind of, it's hard to explain, but, I, you know. I also think another word for it is it, 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 it looks like it, fe- it, the feeling it gives off is like important. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, yeah, it's just, yeah. Like, I mean, there's something, there's something more to behold with that kind of style, that mood, that you know, technique it's, and uh, it's like, it like people use got... that for like flashbacks sometimes, you know, and flashbacks are supposed to be important. So that's kind of like, maybe it has to some, do something with that. When, uh, no, that's great. That's a great way to, you know, mm-hmm. point out. yeah, I just, and I also feel like, you know, I, I like tangible things. Yeah. So it's like, like Sean and I, we'd go on about like traditional art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but sometimes I feel like I sold out cause I actually did a lot of, like this latest uh, story with Jed Winnick. I did it purely digital. It's um, oh, just uh, there's a. I'm not really good at inking, and I, but I wanted it to have a certain look, mm. so I went with you know, I went with Clip Studio, and you know, um, and also it's a time thing, and you know, I want to, I had to, I'm doing that while I'm doing a Cinder and my other uh, I'm doing another kids book, so I'm doing like three books at once, mm. so I'm kind of got to pick and choose which one looks the way I want, and which one I have time to do what I want. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can honestly say I, I'm a better inker or, you know, I'm a better digital artist than I am an inker. It's like, I suck at inking. It's, it's so hard. Did, so, um, you know, it's, did, did you ink the um, th- the one you did for Batman Black and White number four? Do you yeah, that actually is drawn by hand. Yeah, I inked by hand. It was so hard. Cause it's, that story, <laughs> man. Because it's one of my um, favorites ever where at the end, Catwoman's sitting down and then Batman comes and I, she's like... Uh, long night and he's like just beginning or something like that and yeah yeah I, i'm looking exactly. at it now and i think yo, th- i think those inks are amazing man you should give yourself oh, a little more credit they, that came out amazing yeah. it's like I, I like the way it looks like but it's so hard to do you know it's like yeah. to get what, exactly what i want but that story was like dude that story took forever it's like you know they they're like yeah we want you to you know mark trevello he's like i want you to write it and draw it i was like that's great you know yeah and wrote it and i was like so happy with it and then um I sat on it for probably a year. Mm. Uh, I was like, you going to start drawing it? I was like, yeah, you know. And then I got back to it and I read it and I was like, dude, what the hell did I do? Why am I – I had pages in there with like eight panels and, you know, all this. I was like, shit, I should have made it easier on myself. Hmm. Well, uh, well I, mean, I, I, I think you, you definitely stuck the landing on the ending for me. And that's not – that's one of the hardest things to do in comics, I think, in general for any kind of story. So. Thanks, man. It was it was a lot of fun, though. I mean – and. After I finished that, I think that and Little Gotham was the one where I was like, I think I'm did everything Batman that I wanted, you know. That's like awesome. everything else now is just like, kind of like, you know, just would be so cool to do. But it's like you, you know, you get to. I, I wanted to do two things when I got in. I just wanted to draw Batman, and then I wanted to do Batman Black and White. Wow. That's all I wanted to do because um when Bat- nice. when Chiarella was still had the Black and White line out, that's the only book I read like you know that was Batman. It was like yeah. I didn't really main storyline. I didn't care what was going on because continuity changes so much that it's confusing yeah the black so and like, white right. stuff's the best it's it's what you yeah. think about when you think about like great best batman stories it's just they always hit the notes and beats with a 
the black and white. It is, man. Yeah, it it was like kind of like the, it was kind of like, it's like the benchmark of Batman. Like to me, it was like if you got a Batman black and white story where you actually wrote it and drew it and mm. you know you liked it and you made the you team. know, <laughs> it's like you're on the team. You know, it's like yeah. you're you're actually a Batman <laughs> artist. And I was like, this is great. And I know that's like you know that's that's kind of like patting myself on the back. But it was like when it was done, I was so happy. I was like, this is this is it. And it was like I. And it kind of sucks because it's like, yeah, this is it. So what now, you know? <laughs> the the same can be said uh, for having your own Batman black and white statue, and you've uh, you've already got two of those. Man, that's fun too, dude. Like that 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 was actually the cool part because back then you had to have a story to get a statue. You remember that? Like, you had yeah, to, yeah. They didn't just make them, you know. Yeah, they had to. You come. had to actually had to come from the book. Yeah, but how, so that was really like you got the Batman Beyond the, black and white, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Batman Beyond Black and White was uh, it was weird. I was uh, I was at DC. I was at the offices, and the art director for the statue. He's like, "Oh man, when are you gonna come back and do more toys for us?" You know, and I was like, oh, "I love doing the toys, man." But it's like they take forever, and you know, it pays like crap, mm. and there's no royalties on it. You know, and he's like, <laughs> "He's like, well, what do you want to do then?" He's like, "Anything you want to do." I was like, "Just let me do a Batman Black and White statue." Now I said it like walking down the hall. He's like, "All right." <laughs> so as soon as I got home. He emailed me the about the invoice or whatever they're called contract. He's like, "You're gonna design a Batman black and white statue." I was like, "Sweet!" Wow. <laughs> so, and nice. and that statue is one of the most, the most sought after yeah. in the whole line. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I think it might be the most expensive one right yeah, now. Yeah, it goes for like if you could find it, they go for up to like three hundred now. It's ridiculous. It's it's Crazy. really well sold. Didn't you mark? Didn't you color one? one? He co- you colored one. Yeah. <laughs> The ones yeah, I that... color are actually some of the prototypes. Like I have one where it's like the uh, Christmas one because actually it's true black and white. There's no gray on. Then I had another one that I don't know because um they send us where they send them production samples and I just keep them. <laughs> nice. So, hey, I would like to hey, purchase Dustin, some uh, of these production samples. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Hey Dustin, uh, I I seen you're coming to C2E2. Uh, feel free to pack one of those bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> They'll break it on the airplane, man. You know the statue that I really like more than that one of the Batman statue is the original um, maquette from the animated series. The not the second one, the first one, the one with the uh, the redesign. Actually, the second one, not the first one. The the one that they had available at the WP store when it was still open. Right. I don't know if you guys remember. I'll send you a picture later. I think okay. it's the one where you know they just stand and they're his arms to the side. They're like the oh yeah 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 just the yeah the static position ones. Yeah. That's my favorite one. That yeah, one actually—it was, was so accurate. They—they uh, they actually put those in the middle of the, I think, the animation rooms, and that's what they used to model everything off. Ooh. Yeah. I don't really hear anyone talk about it anymore. But that one was like, dude, those were statues back. Then. They were heavy too. How did you come up with the idea of uh, little Go- you know, little Gotham when you approached DC? Um, you know, I approached them a few times for that. Like, um, it's back in like early 2000, like 2005, 2006 or something. I. I just drew it for fun at first because I, I was like a big um, fan of like um, Capcom's uh, Puzzle Fighter. You know, like, you know, you know, Street Fighter, there's Puzzle Fighter. Yeah, which yeah. Which is like super deformed version of Street Fighter. <laughs> they look cool. So I, I drew like some Batman characters in that and I pitched it to DC as a set of snow globes. So I had all our characters done. You know, there's Mr. Freeze standing on his, his head's like a snow globe and he's like stuck. His feet are in there. You know, just kind of cute, fun things, you know. Yeah. And I sent to DC, and they're like, you know, they're like, this is great, man. But yeah, I don't see a big market for snow globes. <laughs> and I was like, damn, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, they're not wrong. They're it's like, it's very seasonal. They're like, well, we'll see, you know. And um, 
but I kept drawing it. I drew it for fun. And um, um, I did Mike Martz, my editor back on Streets of Gotham and Detective Stuff, which I would have to say is like, you know, one of the best editors out there. Like he, like working with him probably not only built my career, but built my confidence as an artist, you know, as much as anything. And uh, yeah. he, um, for I think two of the detective annuals, they requested us to do two pages of a uh, backstory. And Derek and I, we were like, oh, let's do this uh, little Gotham stuff. And they're like, what's that? You know, I was like this super deformed, kind of like stylized version. He's like, are they kids? I'm like, they're not kids. You know, they're just, they just look this way. That's the way they look. He's like, yeah. all right. So we did, uh, we did two of them. One was like the street car, the, you know, street racing one. And one was where uh, the Riddler, you know, dragged the criminals into Arkham. <clears throat> and uh, we did it. Then uh, we tried to pitch it as a series. And DC was kind of back and forth on it because at the time they had a few properties in that look or that kids look that they wanted. But I was telling them, you know, it doesn't have to be a kids and it doesn't have to be anything. It could be just a, its own. It's just, but they didn't really know what to do with it. So they sat on it for a while. And then um, WB actually approached me. WB and DC, even though they own each other, they kind of work separately. Um, <laughs> so WB approached me and they said, you know, they're doing this gallery um, and they're looking for a few different styles. Um, so you want to do something? I was like, yeah, sure. I got the stuff. I showed them. And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah, this is great. So we did a bunch of pieces, uh, not just of uh, Batman, but, you know, all DC stuff. And it was in their light and dark. It was called the Light and the Darkness Show or something. And they used it for a gallery they had in downtown San Diego. And they moved it around the country a few times. Um, so, you know, and then they actually had a booth where you can make T-shirts of it. So if you can find one of those T-shirts that someone actually made, it's it's real merchandise. It's just no one knew about it. Like you can actually, they had like a little kiosk and go in and order off the art. And so there's a few of that, but, um, yeah, right around that time they did that. Um, Hank canals over at, uh, DC. He's like, Hey, you know, we're ready. You know, do you want to try We're starting this thing called, um, DC, uh, you know, the, remember DC had a digital kind of like division, like where they mm -hmm. did digital, yeah. digital first. So digital first started with the video game stuff, the, uh, Arkham stuff. Uh, the video game stuff. Yeah, Arkham and Unhinged uh, was coming he, out digital first, yeah. Like, no one knows this, but Derek and I were the ones that created the format for DC Digitals. Okay. So, and it oh. was tough because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> but we were the one that created that format. And then Lil Gotham came along and they are like, finally, they know a place where they want to put it, you know? I was like, what, what, what are we going to do? You know? And he's like, whoa, they're going to be digital. I was like, dude, that throws off the entire storytelling. Which I found out today, you didn't have to. You could just draw normal pages and have them chop it up. But they wanted to be a certain format, so that's why you see a lot of the little Gotham reads the way they are, and the panel work is the way I wouldn't normally do it. And mm -hmm. um, the covers were done all, you know, uh, square so that it could be cropped off digitally, read sideways, or so it it started a way for me to create art that could be on both formats. But um, yeah, so it w it went digital for like i think two issues or something and then right then um we were at the uh new york we we're at the dc christmas part or uh new york party and so hank came up and he's like hey you know i know you only wanted to do uh, 10 10 stories of this but um do you think you can do uh you know two stories a month which is 20 pages so first it was 10 pages uh 20 pages would be 20 pages painted so which is like a lot more work but I was like, yeah, dude, that's sure. You know, I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's doing great. People like it and we can actually publish it. I was like, what? So first I thought it was only going to be digital, but, you know, now we're going to publish it too. So we doubled up. We went from 10 stories to 12 stories to 24 stories. 
and that's how you know Little Gotham came along. But, and then um, you got yeah. the uh, the figures awesome. out of that too. Oh yeah, yeah we got, which is also directed by the guy that did the uh, uh, Sean Knapp, who did my Batman Beyond statue. <laughs> so, oh, and those toys, the they're made by people that only painted for DC at the time. So they tested not only our book on digitals, but they tested our toys on like a new vendor. <laughs> so like, we were just oh, always wow. like the guinea pig. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that went away for a while. And then we pitched um, Minitropolis. And Minitropolis was going to, you know, Minitropolis and Smallerville. So that was supposed to be like the Superman universe. Um, that was... Oh. Nice. Almost that was almost going, but then um, they uh, I think they changed the lineup, and then there is the um, the Scribblenauts book that came out. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess they felt Scribblenauts looked like it. So I don't know what what it was, but they only wanted one thing to look like that at a time, or people be confused, or I don't know what the excuse was. <laughs> but I was just like, it's cool. I was like, you don't gotta explain to me, man. <laughs> I was like, it's cool, because honestly, I as much as I want to draw that stuff. I'm more comfortable drawing Batman stuff. I just know the universe better and I know the characters better. And it's hard to do something on a monthly schedule and stay on time and put out the best stuff if you have to force it, you know? It's like it's really hard to force things, especially if it has to be on time. Um, you know. So yeah, I was like, it's cool. Just wait, just tell me when we can do more low Gotham stuff. And uh yeah, so that <laughs> this next book. Yeah, so when you were doing Little Gotham, did you already know you wanted to do Once Upon a Crime? Because if for you know, so people haven't read Once Upon a Crime yet, it's it's coming out in a in a few weeks. But you've basically taken nursery rhymes, or not nursery rhymes, but you know, kind of uh, fairy tales, and yeah. uh, applied the Batman universe to them. So did you already know you wanted to do that, or was this something you came up with uh, more recently? Um, I know. I know I wanted to do more Little Gotham, and I wanted to do uh, more city-like books. But um, I would say Once Upon a Crime is probably uh, Derek's um, project because uh, he actually loves like the whole fairy tale stuff. So when they asked us to do it, they're like, "You know, what do you got?" You know, I was like, "Derek, go for it, man! Like whatever you want to do." You know, I was like, "Little Gotham was like cool. We kicked it off because um, Little Gotham actually I wrote and he wrote. We wrote together." Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Crime is entirely Derek writing it. So he um, that along with our secret hero society stuff is uh, Derek writing the whole thing. I would throw in you know a few notes there here and there, but it that stuff is uh, you know it's all Derek's ideas. Um, there's a few things I, I just tell him what I want to draw. Like I want to do a you know a Mister Freeze story, Ice Queen story, and you know we bounce back and forth. But that's um that's mostly Derek because um also <laughs> I gotta draw. <laughs> it's like it's really like writing is hard. Like I love writing, but writing is hard and especially when you have to follow um certain criteria you know because even though we're making everything from scratch and everything dc still has guidelines on what we can what we can't do um mm-hmm. so i just don't want to deal with it you know it was like dude Derek's really good at it. <laughs> until uh, until the day comes that you bring a uh, little gotham into the black label universe and the, it gets all dark <laughs> know, right? there's nothing wrong with it. i pitched a little gotham black and white statue that had the style that looked like um you know kind of like but you know, it would be cool. That, I, that I would actually... be so cool. Like the those those little Gotham figures. That's I have all four of those. There's the Batman, the Damien, the Joker, and the Harley. And that Batman is one of my favorite Batman figures because he's just so chunky and the, like the proportions are just so good. He's so boxy. It's yeah, it's it's a perfect Batman figure. Yeah, they uh, they did a great job on those figures. I was like, you know, the entire 
all designs for all four characters I did in a day. And I wow. thought I was like, all right, they're gonna come back with a ton of notes. Dude, he came back with the prototypes. I was like, this looks amazing. <laughs> it was like they they got the right sculptors, the colors, everything it was like spot on. And it was those guys, I think their first time doing toys for DC. So they smashed. I hope they stuck with it. Yeah, they, they did a great job. Um but no, Lil got them. Um it's just something it, it's one of those things where I work on and it never feels like work. It's like I and I told Hank, I told my um edit the you know, the head of Wallstrom that heads up the whole pro- head of DC that heads up the whole project. I was like, you know, whenever you're ready, you want to do more, just tell me because I'm going to draw it regardless. <laughs> it's like I'm going to do this stuff out there by myself regardless. Um, you might as well print this stuff. It makes some money, you know. I wanted to point something out. So in recent years, one thing that's gotten a lot of attention in comics is uh, how much Sean Murphy has used different Batmobiles, like, you know, shown in the Batcave and put into use uh, through yeah. the White Knight series. But if we go back to Heart of Hush, you were doing that back then. Like your Batmobile or uh, your Batcave scenes, you had a, a sort of disassembled Keaton Batmobile. Uh, I think there was a Tumbler in there. You had the '66 Batmobile. So you were doing yeah. all that stuff years ago. And yeah, it's just it's it's very cool that we can even go back then and see uh, see the influence of the movies and comics. Yeah, it's I, I like personally. I love Batmobile. I'm I'm a car guy, so I, I love cars in general. So, but the thing difference between Sean and I is Sean loves drawing cars. With me, I kind of like drawing cars. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I like drawing, I like design things. I like drawing a few times, but I don't want to draw it over and over and over, man. It's just tiring. Yeah. But, uh, and like Sean talks about like the <laughs> science of what angle cars should be drawn from because of the science of what angle they're designed to be seen from. No, it's, it's true. Like, um, like in car designs, there's the, you know, the three stroke rule. Which is like you to draw a successful car, the 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 silhouette. You should only need to use three lines, to um you know to draw that car. Um, so if you look at any good car design, you know if you can't draw that shape in th- no, I'm sorry, five lines, not three lines, three lines <laughs> in five lines. You know, like um. I was gonna say, damn. <laughs> like damn, everything will look like the Cybertruck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Like, um, so there's a certain way thing about drawing cars and I, you know, and Sean definitely understands it, you know, um, there's a few, he, he, he likes to do a lot of mashup too, which is great. You know, I, I love, I love seeing what he puts together. Every time I look at his cars, I'm like, all right, he, he used that at front end, hmm. you know, there's, there's the fender flare from that, other car. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of fun to watch. Him. <laughs> you know, what's cool is I think you were doing it during the time when I, I don't think you were allowed to, but anyway, cause, uh. <laughs> I remember there was a thing where you couldn't draw like moving bat movie Batmobiles in comics or something for some reason, and then uh, that was lifted. But I think yeah, you were one of the pioneers that it's actually like incorporate like '89 in there. There's always the round. They they had a lot of like even when like I I'm kind of like like I I try to find my way around things a lot of times. Like when Grayson became Batman, um, you know I'm like a huge Bruce Wayne fan and a huge Nightwing fan. I didn't need Dick Grayson to be Batman. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anytime I drew him, I would draw Bruce, and then they're like, "No, he doesn't have the trunk." You know, doesn't have the trunks. His costume. I was like, "All right." So I just covered his whole legs in shadow. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> it's just, and um, you know, it's just there's certain ways around it, and uh, to get it to draw, it, I have to be happy drawing it. You know, yeah. Or else it's gonna be worse. I'm like, oh, I don't want to draw this. You know, that's and that that's kind of like why Streets of Gotham was made. I think it was made because um, Paul D and I are diehard Bruce Wayne fans. Mm. Um, so they made Streets of Gotham where we could kind of like do stories that didn't have to be about um, Nightwing being Batman as much, yeah. but still tell our 
stories, you know? And I think <laughs> I think they made it just to put his kind of to the side <laughs> to keep us out of the main storyline. Yeah. It's fun, that. you know. That was a good book. That was, dude, it was so much fun. And Paul, there's nothing like he does wrong. I like I, I remember I would look forward to scripts like I was looking forward to like Saturday cartoons, man. It was yeah. so good. Paul Diddy knows how to give these characters voices. We need a Streets of Gotham uh, omnibus. I know we got industry guys listening, so yeah. please give us a Streets of Gotham hard, collected hardcover. Oh, that would be great. They Did they ever put out the – um? they didn't put out the Hush hardcover omnibus, did they? That's, I remember that was in the that, – That was canceled, but everyone says it's going to be resolicited because it would just print money. Because, yeah, Hush would be in there. Heart of Hush would be in there and all that stuff, so – um, I, I think that's inevitable. We're just waiting for them to resolicit it. Uh, editorial's so weird. <laughs> I don't know. If, if, any, if anyone listening hasn't read Heart of Hush yet, mm. uh, definitely go back and read it. Because like, obviously the, the Jim Lee, Jeff Loeb, Hush story is where Hush came in. But Heart of Hush was the story that really solidified the character as being not just this one shot character that came in for the story mm. like that, that really cemented him into the universe. Yeah. If you want to, if you, all you new bat cat fans out there too, if you want a really intense Batman Catwoman story, man, heart of hush is, <laughs> it really tugs at the heartstrings. If you know what yeah. I mean, <laughs> dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the funny thing when we said, when they said that we're going to do a hush story, I didn't want to draw it. I was like, I don't even like Hush. I don't. Because in my mind, like at the time, I was like kind of stubborn. Yeah. I was like, any Batman villain created after the year 2000 is not for me. It's like I'm mm. I'm diehard into this whole Batman anime series. And I was like really stubborn, you know. I wasn't like, I hated Damien. I was like, you know, he's not a Robin. But I swear, dude, working with Deanie for like maybe three issues in, I was like, these characters are the most amazing characters ever. Yeah. I was like, you know. <laughs> like he, really, he made it you know and he kind of convinced me too because i i hated damon when he came out i was like ah oh, this is such this is a character they made just for you know just just for shock you know yeah but uh you. oh damon worked out and uh hush you know came one of my favorite villains because he's just like dark man being, being yeah. that you're like kind of a purist in that sense what do you think about uh characters like the batman who laughs or the, the new dark knights or you know what it's I'm embarrassed to say I haven't read. Like my friend told me, he's like, "You'll love Batman Who Laughs," you know. Mm. I was like, "Oh, the guy that looks like you know the mouth of Sauron." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, that guy," you know. Mm. I was like, "So," but I haven't read it. I haven't really read much lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it looks amazing. Like okay. the most I read is like what Jock posts because Jock's like one of my favorite artists. Mm. And every time he draws something, I'm like, "Oh shit, that looks so good." Mm. And uh, yeah, but I need to read something. Oh, in- yeah. uh, talking about how. Uh- how cemented in the universe, uh, the animated series universe you were. If I could make one request, could you and Paul Dini please make a black label gray ghost book? Wow. Yeah. You know what? Let's pitch that dude. That would be good, man. What up? Oh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna message Dan Didio right now. Do you do you have <laughs> yeah. a favorite um animated series episode? Uh, I have a few, man. One was uh you know of course everyone loves the one where he went too far or something where he killed Babs. Mm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, over, over the edge. Yeah, over the edge. Yeah, over the edge. You know, that one and uh, dude, there's so many, man. Mm. It's really hard to say. You know, it's like yeah, but but I'll be honest, I did like the like not a lot of people did like the newer stuff. I like the newer redesigned stuff. You mean like uh, new adventures? New adventures, yeah. Yeah, new adventures. I did like that. Yeah. And I would say the only series I like more than Batman the Animated Series was Batman Beyond, because nice. yeah. that, thank, thank you because I'm like the only 
Batman Beyond guy in the Bat Force for some weird <laughs> reason. Really? Yeah, it's so weird. But you know, when I was a kid watching this stuff after school, I at first I was like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, like it was just it was so different. But I it, I warmed up to it so much, and after a while, I'm like, "This is amazing. This is such a fun idea." You know, this is like post DKR Bruce, and he has Ace with him, and Terry McGinnis is flying around. And to me, Terry McGinnis is has to be Asian, man. The guy looks so Asian. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the way they draw him, you know, I was like, "Oh, look, he's Asian." And I think but he's you know, he's, he's got. <laughs> His name is McGinnis, though, know. you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, like, Batman Beyond is, like, if you're a Batman fan, if you're a Bruce Wayne fan, Batman Beyond is does more for Bruce than the original series did. Yeah. Because in the original series, it focused on everyone he was around and all the villains. But Batman Beyond was about Bruce. It was just, you know, they investigated him instead, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was it was good, so. Remember that scene where um he went, he thought he was hearing voices in his head? Yeah. And, uh. And then at the end, they're like, how'd you know that, you know? Yeah, because he doesn't refer to him as, uh, yeah. as that was so badass. <laughs> like, He's like, I don't call myself Bruce in my head or something <laughs> like that. He's such mm, a savage. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so Yeah, I got I, no, I, I to watch some episodes tonight. Did you notice the limo that they drove around in? Top the limo? Head. So basically in Batman Beyond, Bruce rides around in a limo, right? Right. Yeah. Like, uh, that limo is the first generation Batmo- Batmobile, the blocky one, flipped upside down. That's all it is. So, oh. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, like, like, like that Tesla that. truck. <laughs> that looks like something flipped over. <laughs> like, like the Homer. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Number one. Pl- um, we know you've been to New York and Chicago Comic Cons over the years. So. Here we go. New York style pizza or Chicago deep dish pizza? You know what? I like I like New York. I'm not a deep dish kind of person. Oh, nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Can't still trip to the CTV to you. You don't have to work on that statue. He, he's a Chicago know. guy in case you haven't known. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago is giving you the key out of the city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, to in, just, to, just to put in context, just so you know, I also really like White Castle, so you know I'm kind of oh Crave Case, Ooh. questionable, you know. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, uh, you, you get a pass for now. <laughs> um, <laughs> p- plain or peanut M and M's? Uh, peanuts. Be nice. If right. you could have dinner with one human being who's lived throughout history, dead or alive, who would it be? Ah, oh, dude, probably one, anyone from the Beastie Boys, man. Those oh, dudes look, just look fun. Oh, that's awesome. That's a cool answer. I like that. I know. You thought I was going to say someone smart. Like, uh, not. I mean, not to say that they're not smart. I'm just like we, someone like, you know, like Gandhi or some shit, right? We, I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we get a lot of David Bowie's. We get some Lincoln's. Uh, who's the Beatle? Um, I'm sorry. I think I think someone said George Harrison. Yeah, I respect them. I don't, I don't want to bore them. Like, you know, if I sat down with, like, Lincoln, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, Abe. I know you drew. Uh, I mean, I know you wrote one of the best documents in history, but uh, I just draw comics. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I want to respect. I feel like if I, you know, like these boys, been fun. You know, have something to talk about, and like maybe you know, it just seems fun because you, you know you want a good time. You don't want to force them to be yeah, there yeah. with you. Know, it's a great answer. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, dude, man. A lot of uh, creators oh. tell us they. I'm traveling. Con- control, yeah, control time so they could meet their deadlines. Yeah. So. No, I don't care about the deadlines. I just want time travel. Just, <laughs> yeah. just want to... 
<laughs> if you could time travel, who cares about deadlines, man? Man, if I could yeah. time travel, I would go back to a 90s afternoon when animated series and Ninja Turtles were on. Like, <laughs> you know, Elio's oh, Pizza, yeah. adjust the antenna on the, the TV set. That would be <laughs> See, Devin, you're like a good person. If I had time travel, I'd be like doing dude. crime, dude. I'd be going back buying stocks. <laughs> You'd be doing the yeah. almanac thing, the, the Marty McFly Dust, almanac. Dust, Dust, Dustin would be Biff Tannen. <laughs> be back to the future. You'd, you'd own a casino. And... <laughs> Dustin, what you're saying is that you'd be a super villain, huh? Oh. I think so, man. I think so. What if it was so, legal, oh. though? But he did. He would win fair and square, though, even though he knew the answer. So, I don't know. <laughs> um, what What was the best advice you were ever given and who gave it to you? You know, it's it's that advice everyone gives you. Like, um, that advice you hear on TV all the time. And it was from, actually, my boss. That I worked at um, the early engineering firm. He, he was just like, you know, just you don't talk about, you know, politics and religion and stuff it, i wouldn't say it's like the best advice like yeah I, I know you're supposed to express yourself you know mm. but it's like it's one of those things where he told me and i, I didn't really care at the time because i was like i would never talk about that stuff anyways mm. you know mm. of course i was like yeah. you know 17 or 18 or something but you know I, I was like i never would say but then once you once i did start like mingling at like you know comic cons and mm. um you know dinner parties and stuff i found out that you really rub people the wrong way like when they bring it up and then you have an opinion, it seems like they don't want to talk to you anymore. Mm, yeah. Talking what they want to talk about, you know? Mm. Um, so it's one of those things where I wouldn't say that you have to hide what you are, but don't talk, you know, I was like, unless you ask me, I'm not going to tell you, you know, yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty much it. And I know that's like very, uh, very generic, but yeah, that, and also, I mean, I think people tend to read comics to trying to escape everything else. I mean, you know, I mean, Nowadays, you get hit with social media, news, with one side or the other. And, you know, comics is a nice way to kind of escape that <laughs> reality for... It's tough, man. I don't think you can avoid it anyways, but, you know, yeah, you can, uh, less less of it. So, I don't know, man. I just need to get my work done and just live where I am. You know, it's yeah. like it's kind of hard to <laughs> please everyone. 100%. So. Robin, do, do we have a, a question from the last guest, the Passover? Uh, I don't think we have anything fresh unless we just want to pick one. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a good idea to start it again. So we've had this tradition that we've been doing for a little while where we have a guest leave a lightning round question for the next guest. But, you know, um, can I give him the question from, um, damn it, uh, Mitch Gerards, which is one of my favorite. But it's very simple. What's your favorite chip, potato or chocolate? Uh, <laughs> potatoes, man. Nice. <laughs> Freaking Mitch. And, and that and Mitch's question was tailor-made for chips at our scale. Yeah. <laughs> it gets really silly around here with, with all these industry guys. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I like bringing this question to everyone because it was such a good one. I think still the best the deepest question we ever had someone give was joey lawrence you know the guy that was on blossom oh yeah yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah he was on the show last year and his question was if you had the choice to live the life of a millionaire but only live to 60 or you could live to be a hundred but you live the life of a pauper which would you choose oh i don't know man i don't think i can make it to either <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, that's pretty deep, man. I don't know. I would live I, long enough. I would live long enough to discover time travel, and then I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I think it was maybe Jonathan Glapian that said, so wait, so I got to be old and broke? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so that's, no, that's that's a fair point. Like 60 is actually pretty old. And like, you know, it's a good life, dude. Because everything after, you know, after that kind of sucks. It's like, <laughs> I can't imagine okay. getting like, unless not you're, that 60s old. Unless you're I'm Mick 40 Jagger. <laughs> if anybody came to you and said, what character do you want to write or draw for that you've never done before? Who would you pick? Marvel, DC, indie, whatever. Mm, Does that have to be like a uh, existing character, or it can be whatever you want? If they just came to you and said, "Dustin, I want you to write or draw, ink, color, everything," pick one. I really like the original Ninja Turtles. You know, like the uh, oh, like the Mirage the, stuff, the black and white stuff when they were living on the farm and stuff. You know, nice. um, yeah, the Mirage stuff. You know, but you know, also it has to be. It's one of those things where it depends on the time in your life. You know like afford to take time off to yeah. do that kind of thing mm. but i think that would be a nice uh kind of like project to do just for a short while you know mm. or you know i mean if anything it's always i just want to do my own stuff so yeah. i I sent a pitch out to dc recently so waiting to hear back oh, it's nice. a batman so it is something so what's the pitch? <laughs> uh, well i think i did a sketch of it so we'll see it's um Basically, uh, I did it online. It was basically it was a uh, Batman Beyond the Thunderdome. <laughs> so oh. it's nice. so basically, uh, yeah, it's you know post-apocalyptic Gotham. So yeah, sick. Def- definitely the Elseworlds right. or something. So oh, that'd be so badass. Do people still use that word, Elseworlds? Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah, still yeah. Trying, trying. I, I, th- I think that's, that's more to do. refer to things now they, it's not like a label anymore but like black label is all elseworlds you know what i mean but it's just a way to refer yeah. to now as opposed to being like an actual like title yeah. what a great way to do things without staying continuity that's that's cool but that's what people want that's why black label is is really picking up steam now because continuity has too many constraints man you know and so like black, black black label is what brought jeff back over to dc now like just doing two black label books simultaneously yeah, yeah. it's got a uh, killer smile and a uh, question yo killer smile that's gonna be like a 12 issue i think series uh it's a uh, or was it, yeah, no, or was the joker and harley oh i can't remember i can't even keep up anymore <laughs> there's so many <laughs> titles you still you guys are good multitaskers man i'll give you that jeez <laughs> yeah that guy does draws and writes it's amazing. Mm. Yeah, dude. See, time management is everything. <laughs> but man, Dust, man, we want to thank you so much for your time. This has been years in the making, man. This is the for way. Sure. To, this is the way to start 2020 in Bad Force Radio. We've been wanting to have you on the show forever. It's you're like you. I always tell everyone you're one of the nicest guys in the industry. Every time we see you at cons, it's like it's like seeing a friend again. You know, it's uh. But now they know I want to be a villain. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to come back with that almanac and uh, oh, that's, that's that 2020 plan. But no, thank you guys. Thanks, thanks for uh, yeah, oh, thanks thank for sitting up. Thank you so and, uh, much. I'll probably see you again very soon. I'll see you in Chicago. Yeah, are you are you, also, are you <laughs> doing New York yeah. this year? Do you think or are you uh, sure yeah, I'll be doing this year. I'll be doing uh, Chicago, Seattle, and New York. Oh, cool. I'll see you and this also, year. And also, I'll be in Awesome Con too. Very cool. And Ontario. Oh, yeah, I'm doing a few shows this year, so it's going to be fun. Awesome. All right, and well, uh, before we go, I just want to end with uh, reiterating uh, Batman Tales Once Upon a Crime is out February 5th. Uh, tell us one thing to expect from Once Upon a Crime. Uh, uh, <laughs> once, oh, uh, of course, Mr. Freeze. You know, yeah, made sure nice. he's in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the Mr. Ooh, Freeze in this too. Fan favorite. That's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's like awesome. every artist's favorite, so it's great. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks again, Dust. We'll be in touch, and thanks again for everything, man. Great. Thank uh, you, guys. Have a great one. Have a good night. Too. Hey, Gotham Dwellers. 
Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs. Mr. Nida. 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 Mr.